Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. Of communion, and then we're going to have a chance uh, to respond. If, if you came in here with a heavy heart, or if you, as you were singing the song Reckless Love, and you've never experienced the love of God that tears down walls, that lights up areas in your life, we want to pray with you. And we want to believe with you that whatever you're going through, we all need prayer. And we're also thankful that God gives us the power of prayer to come into agreement and believe that his presence can touch us. Well, I want to welcome you if it's your first time here. We're excited you're here. Uh, we want you to know we love you. And this is a place as, as where we're in now. Uh, we're on our second week uh, of a series called Old School. Some things never go out of style. Anybody, you might... Uh, you know, we have so much technology, but you might be one where it's like, yeah, I'm thankful for all this technology, but I still got record players in my house. You have these timeless antiques that, man, they still get the job done, and there's something timeless or old school about it that modern technology just can't touch. So uh, if you appreciate timeless, classic things, uh, we're going to be looking in God's Word of what are things that never go out of style, that no matter how old you are, how spiritual we think we are. Because we think, honestly, we think we're a lot more spiritual than really what we are a lot of the times. I'm speaking to myself. Uh, and then God's always got a way to humble you and remind you that you're not in control. Um, but this morning, we want to look at things that are old school, some things that never go out of style. And if, again, if you go on our website, you can see some core values that make up the community of this house. And Timmy, if you want to throw up our focused core value uh, from last week and this week, it's authentic community, that there is community that we see in the book of Acts that Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, came to establish. And here's what it says. It, and this is what we believe, and this is what we desire here at Gathering Place Church, that we believe God created the church to fulfill our relational needs in addition to our spiritual needs. We reject superficiality, aka we don't judge a book by its cover. When people walk in, we just don't judge them from what they look like, smell like, where they work at, what they drive, what house they live in. We reject superficiality in relationships with one another, just as we reject superficiality in our relationships with God. That we don't want to be surfacey with God. We want to go deep and know his heart for our lives and the heart for this church. And I believe is everything that's going on in the world around us, that more than ever, we need community. We need family that can stick through some tough times. And we can understand what it looks like to bear one, another bur bear one another's burdens. As scripture even says, as iron sharpens iron, so a brother sharpens a brother. That's, there's community we see through the word of God, the relationships as a church that we're to have with one another. And when you think about it, our world, we love community. We love, we have an idea of community. We crave it in a sense. That's why we'll get together We'll watch football games, we'll get pizza, we'll get B-dubs, we'll do all these things to get together and have a good time, birthday parties, family parties. We enjoy, we crave relationship. And that's not a bad thing, but as we looked at last week in Acts chapter 2, it said that they met in the temple daily, that these were radical, sold-out followers of Christ. And what's even crazy that you don't really understand as you just read the, it for face value is that the early church, when it was first made up and who the apostles were reaching, 80% of that first church were uh, slaves, 
were uh, people who were in poverty. It wasn't all these religious people that were rallying behind Jesus. It was Jesus and the apostles going to the streets, those that were kind of on the outside, the outskirts of society, and a church was being built from the ground up. And so it's amazing when you see how the power of God moved, how they operated in community, and how they looked out for one another. And so what I'm, when I say that word community, it's kind of a church word. Oh, let's go have community, or let's go fellowship. And when you think of fellowship, it's let's go over to what was uh, the... Uh, main sanctuary at one time, then we built a new sanctuary, so then it becomes our fellowship hall. So let's go over fellowship, get, get the smorgasbord out, and let's all eat and talk. And a lot of the times when you think of community, that's kind of where your mind goes. But it's so much more than that. Community is when Bev is going through a tough time, and I know she needs help. I might have a busy schedule, a crazy day, but because of my love for Bev and her family, hey, Bev, what do you need? I'm here for you. It's looking out for each other's needs. It's, it's being okay putting your schedule aside and saying, God's put these people in my life and he's given me a certain amount of gifts. He's given me a calling, all these things to benefit others, to look out for others, to bless others. Because Kenny can bless someone in a way that I can't. TJ can bless someone in a way that I can't. When we all come together and bring our gifts collectively, that's what we have as the body of Christ. And so I want us to look at, again this week, and dive into what community really looks like, what fellowship really looks like. As you read scripture, you'll see this is the way that Jesus Christ loved, the way he loved his people, the way he loved apostles, his disciples. And this is what he desires for us to emulate in our lives, to reflect. He loved sacrificially. Can we all agree that Jesus Christ loved sacrificially? He loved unconditionally. He loved openly. He was vulnerable and he was real. That was the touch that he brought to whatever uh, encounters he had with people. And, it, and this is the thing. Our, our society and our world, it's, it's really, it's cheap love. When I say, I love my wife, in the same breath over here, I'll say, man, I love La Rosa's pizza. And so it gets so watered down. And, and what happens if I say I love my wife and then I say I love La Rosa's pizza? Zesty barbecue crusted chicken pizza. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Anybody else hungry? It's too early to be hungry. And so it's, we just say things so easy and so flippantly that we lose the depth of what something is. And that's with so many things in the Bible and God's word, is we just kind of throw things out and we lose the deep, the core, the meaning of it. And so when we are, when Jesus says to love one another, and look what scripture says, John 13, 34 through 35 and as I read this, a little context in the next scripture I want to share with you, these scripture, these uh, encounters that are documented in scripture from Christ, in John 13, Jesus is preparing for the end of his ministry as he prepares for the passion and as he prepares for the cross. And so when you look at certain areas of scripture, and this is, we can kind of relate to this because if we've had a loved one on their deathbed or one that knows that they have an illness and they're planning on dying, usually what, they push nonsense out of their life, and they get really serious. If, if someone's laying on their deathbed, the, deathbed, the things that they're going to be sharing with you are probably the core of who they are. So the things we see toward the end of Jesus' life as he shares with the apostles are kind of the theme and the, the message of what Christ came to establish. And this is what needs to be shouted 
This is what we need to take hold of because as he said to love one another, and this is how the world, this is how the church, this is how we will know that we are disciples. Basically, as I have a brand on my shirt, we're branded as Christians by our love. That that's what shows that, hey, this is your seal, this is your brand. But so many of us, we're wearing a knockoff or we've heard a lie or we haven't focused in because honestly, the thing we love and understanding how to love is we hear it in children's church. It's this elementary thing where we think, well, I, I know that God loves me and I know I'm supposed to love others. So I kind of got that sealed in my life. So now what else is there to do? And we forget something that Jesus gave his life for and the thing that he said, this is how I want you to be branded. And so this morning, let's put away the, the children's church version of what love is. That Jesus loves the little children. Yes, he does, and those are powerful things. But we got to understand that there is a depth of love that he desires for us to walk in in our families, in our relationships, in our marriage, that the enemy wants to rob you of and keep you out of. And so he says, is the church, the world, that everyone will know that you are my disciples. Look, it says, I give you a new commandment. I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. So let this scripture just be burned in your brain. Let it identify you that no matter what I'm going through, whatever emotions I have, that I walk in love and that this is how, this is the making of my faith. This is the work side of my faith. When I believe in Jesus, then I start loving like Jesus. I love the way he did sacrificially. And parents, I think you can identify with these words with your kids. You love your kids sacrificially, unconditionally, openly. You're vulnerable. You're real. And when those elements that you incorporate in raising your kids, it's amazing the relationship that you can have with them. And it's amazing that they'll hear your heart and be able, you'll be able to train them. And so again, it wasn't cheap love that Christ wanted us to emulate with each other. Another scripture I want to look at, and this is, again, the theme of who Christ was, and this was before he uh, really took communion with his apostles, his disciples. So again, these were some of the final breaths that Jesus took, and this is what he wanted us as his followers to know. Look at John 17, 20 through 24. John 17, 20 through 24 says, and I love it because when you start it, it says uh, it's love in action or it's unity. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they all may be one. So again, this is Jesus' final prayer to his disciples that this is what I want you to take. As I hand this torch off to you to go and build the church, to take my spirit that he desires that they all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. So he's talking of, of the Trinity and as the Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son are one, that, that everyone would be one, one. And the way you see the love of the Father to the Son and how it's sacrificially, that I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Isn't that beautiful? That he desires for us to be one. And his last week, being in harmony, as scripture said, 
isn't everyone playing the same instrument, isn't everyone drumming or everyone on the piano, but it's all these instruments coming together, giving something beautiful. It's all of us coming together with all of our weakness, all of our insecurity, even our pride, even all of our selfishness. And we talked of last week that we don't just remove it, but we replace, we replace it. And so it's all of us coming together knowing that God's going to make something beautiful. But you have to allow him and you have to open up. And this is really what I want to step into and really for how we have supernatural community because that's what I want to take a step further is he didn't just want us to have community. The apostles experienced supernatural community. They experienced the power of God in their gatherings because they were thinking, believing, living, working in a way that just isn't, I'm going to come together, take communion or hear the word or worship, and then I'm going to go all the way back over to my part of the world and not reconnect till next time we meet together in the temple or meet in the church. It says that they lived life together. And if you've ever been in, in a college dorm room, pray for somebody. Uh, if you've ever been, uh, you know, for me it was a, kind of a Bible college atmosphere where you're living in community with others, you can see how messy it can get. Because when you're living in real community, living around others, you can even relate to this is, is with your spouse. When you first get married, you have one perception, then about after three months, you say, okay, that's how she really is, or that's how he, he really is. Because you start to see all the ins and outs of who that person is, and you really can't hide yourself. I can't hide who I am from Bree because she just sees it all, and she can't hide from me. And so there's something when you really live in community, you're being vulnerable. They're seeing your emotions. They're seeing the good things in your life, the bad things in your life. And so, really, in order to have supernatural community, we have to be vulnerable with each other. But I don't know about you, but vulnerability is hard. Because at some point in your life, when you've been vulnerable, you've been hurt. And when you've been hurt because of vulnerability, because you opened up, maybe you shared a little too much, and that person didn't really like that or said, I don't want to be with that. I can't handle that. Then that's where that person will usually reject you. And then you're left sitting here, hurt, crying, afraid, feelings of rejection. And so what happens? You take a brick and you build a wall. And then you trust someone else again. Well, maybe this is the one that God has for me in a relationship atmosphere. Or maybe you trust a pastor or a leader or a teacher or someone who speaks into your life. Well, they hurt you. And then another brick gets built. And then a wall starts being put up in your life where you don't want to be vulnerable with anyone because you've been hurt so much. And so that's a trap that we fall in when if, if we want, but here's the thing. The price tag of supernatural community is vulnerability. Anything you want that's great in life, it come, always comes at a price tag. It's not cheap. It's not easy. So for us to be, have community that we see in the word of God, it comes at a price tag. It comes simply by showing up and engaging with people. If you wouldn't have came and come to church this morning, that's just the first step. Or if you wouldn't get together throughout the week and have coffee and just communicate and live life with each other. Hey, let's get our kids together, go to the park, and let's sit down, let's talk, let's see how you're doing. It's simple, but for some reason, we just get in our own little worlds and we retreat because we don't want people to see the yucky, the weak, the insecure areas of our life. But I think the way to really overcome 
insecurity because we all have insecurity. In some way, shape, or form, we all struggle with insecurity. It just looks different. But the way to really deal with insecurity in our life is you got to be in tune with it. you got to be in tune with it. you got to know where you're insecure so that you can lay it before Christ and say, take this insecurity. Your word says that perfect love casts out all fear. Allow the reckless love of God and come and shine the light of your love, your word, your power on my insecurity and heal it in my life. You got to be in tune with it. Stop getting out of tune because when you see you're insecure, you just, you, you don't like looking at that part of yourself. But that's where you have to be bold and you have to be brave and you got to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with the insecurity that's in your life. Look what Romans 12, 9 through 13, and this is really a formula that Paul gives, gives us of what love really looks like and how we're to live in community together. This is the NIV. It says, love must be sincere. This is tough language right here. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. But it says it point blank. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. That alone takes a lifetime. To honor one another above ourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be energetic. Show up to community time. Show up when you gather and be ready to give out and to take in. Be joyful in hope. And here's, a, here's another formula. When you're going through a tough time, be joyful in hope. Be patient in your affliction. Faithful in your prayer. And share with God's people who are in need. And I love it. Just practice hospitality. If all else fails, just practice hospitality. Go serve. And so there's a beautiful picture and a formula of how community is. Now, Timmy, switch over to New King James. Look at some of the different language that's in that. This is an IV. I'll read it to you if you don't have it back there. All right, awesome. So it says, look at this. Let love be without hypocrisy. God just got a little tougher, didn't it? Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, you and I, and given to hospitality. So do you see the call of what supernatural community beckons us into? That this is the lifestyle, this is the hallmark of living in community together. It's sacrificial, it's unconditional, and that's where is the church. We can never be known as one who is judgmental. My goodness, if the church, if you ask someone who's outside the church, well, when I walk in, they're just going to judge me. They're going to look at me. They're going to, you know, all those saints, they got it all together. That's one of the big, if you, if you were to ask someone who knows nothing of God or has heard things about church, one of the top five things they'll say is those Christians judge me. Men and I walk in, the minute I open up, they're just going to judge me. But that's why we are establishing this is a hospital for broken people. The brokenness, insecurity, weakness in our lives, this is when we can take off the mask. Come on, we all wear them. We can take off the mask. We can be vulnerable and we can be healed. And that's a word for you this morning. Take off the mask that you're putting on. 
the mask that the image you want people to see? Because we all want to be perceived as something we're not because we aren't in tune with our insecurity. Because we think if they can just see this picture of my life, of what I want it to look like and be in control, then that person will like me or everything will just kind of work together. But Christ beckons us so much deeper to allow his love to heal our insecurities and we can be the real us. Look at this. Another formula. I, I love this. I jotted this down. If I'm flipping pages, I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's all good. Okay, we'll get to it later. See, this is one of those messages that just flowed right off and just started jotting it down where it's like, what did I say there where you have to read your own handwriting? <laughs> All my teachers can say one of Garrett's struggles in middle school was his handwriting, so. That's as bad. <laughs> okay, so. Here it is. Supernatural community occurs, and this is so good. It occurs when the real you shows up, meets real needs for the right reasons in the right way. It's when the real you shows up, meets real needs for the right reasons in the right way. I love this too. The credibility, because we all wear the brand. Your brand is only good as it's credible it is. Look back several years ago, one of the world's greatest golfers, Tiger Woods, on top of the world, multi-million dollar contracts, was going for Nicholas's title of the most majors. But look how his whole world came crashing down because of an insecurity, because of a sin, because he fell short in, in what his struggle was. And the entire brand of Tiger Woods contracts left him. He lost millions and millions of dollars all because of his character. That's the same with Christianity. You wear the brand how credible are you making it? How credible am I making it? And so the credibility of Christianity will rise or fall by the way we love one another. It'll rise or fall by the way we love each other. At the end of the day, this community that we see in the Word of God is powerful. That's where when you're believing God as a parent, you've been serving God your whole life, but maybe you have children that haven't experienced the love or been beckoned into a community or relationship. That's where when you're living that out, they're going to see it, and your life is going to be a testament and a testimony of how the love of God can change your life. So I even want to encourage you parents that have kids that are far from God. You keep loving God. You keep showing up in community. You keep praying. You keep serving. Because that is the loudest testimony. That's the loudest, the brightest spotlight that your children will see. And they always see more than what you think. And so Jesus always, he gave us a standard of love. The standard of love he gave us was the way that we see God the Father loved his son. The way that he gave his son for us. That's why we always see love in its purest form is always sacrificial. It always usually costs something of us. It's not cheap, as we were saying. And so as we read Romans 12, where it says, Romans 12, 9, let love be sincere. As we looked in the New King James, it said, let it not be hypocritical. In the time when that language was written, 
if you look at the Greek meaning behind it, I thought this was so interesting. What the, the heart behind it or the, the context it was written in, in those times, if you were to step into one of their major theaters where they did plays and a lot of the community got together, you would understand that women really ne never played a role in the acting side of it. It was usually men dressed up doing different things. And so kind of where it, this comes from in the context of it is in a play, a one man would be doing uh, a part of the skit and he would put on a mask and then he would run backstage, change real quick, throw on another mask and be, that's a different character but the same person. And so really what Paul is saying, he's saying take off the mask. Stop being hypocritical in your love. Stop being hypocritical saying I love you but nothing is showing or springing up or welling forth of it. He's saying, take off the mask. Another story in God's word. And then I want us to take communion together. And real quick with communion. As he uh, prayed that you and I would be one as the father and the son are one. He prayed that before he broke bread with his apostles. Before he broke bread with his disciples. And the reason he prayed that, and the reason it was such a, a monumental moment of how the church for 2,000 years and beyond is supposed to come together and gather and break bread with one, each other, with one another, is as Jesus broke his body for us, we're to break our body for one another. Amen. We're to love one another in a way that it might break us, it might cost us something, but that's the way that the love of God is going to spread into all the world. It's amazing when you think of it. And that's why he says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I did for you and then go out and do it to everyone else. Show it, live it, breathe it to everyone else. And so look what, as the church was fired up, as they were powerful, as they were moving. In Acts chapter 5, just really two chapters after Acts chapter 2, this is a big problem that started to come about in the church. And so the Holy Spirit nipped it pretty quick. And this is something that we can see in community as these things come in. Because when you get vulnerable, the devil's always going to come in and try to break that relationship because he knows what you're about to experience. And he knows the power of when you're real with each other. And when you really get to the bottom of things. So look at Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a possession. It was land. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he didn't bring it all, just brought a part of it. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained what was not your own, and after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing the words, fell down, this is crazy, fell down and breathed his last. So he died. Great fear came upon all those who heard these things, and the young men arose and wrapped him and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. He said, yeah, yeah, for, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together 
to test the spirit of the Lord. Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at the feet and breathed her last. And the young man came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Now here's a little context with this scripture. The reason they wanted Ananias and Sapphira wanted to give this great gift and lay it at the apostles' feet is because previously a holy man, an honorable man by the name of Barnabas had given an awesome gift, sold a bunch of land and gave it to the apostles for the work of the kingdom. And Barnabas, who did it in a right heart, in humility, but Ananias and Sapphira, full of insecurity, saw the people praised Barnabas. They loved Barnabas. Look what he did. Look at this gift that he just gave. And so they said, well, if that's what he did, maybe we could do that too and get the same kind of praise and recognition. And so they lied. They did it with the wrong heart. And this is something so serious. The, again, the mask of insecurity that they had on, they gave it in a wrong heart, in a wrong way, with the wrong motive for them and the, and the mask of, well, God will be praised by it, but at the same time, we'll still get a little glory for ourselves too. And so you see, because of a deceitful heart, because of the hypocrisy in their love for the things of God, they both dropped down and died. This is how serious it is that we love the way that Christ has called us to love. But at the same time, we have grace. We have mercy. He delights in showing us the way to love. And that's what he beckons you and I this morning is that as we take communion, we would remember the way of love, that it's not cheap, but it's something that's radical. It's something that takes faith. It's something that you throw your whole life into. But the rewards of it is we become made in the image of Christ. We become like him when we love like him. Because the truth is, you cannot be blessed and be a hypocrite. You can't be blessed and be a hypocrite. Come on, we've all been there. I've been there too, where you do something hoping that it gets you something and out of a wrong motive, you always see that thing fall dead. And you're like, why did I do that? We've been, I've been there. So that's where as you're on the path of maturity, of understanding what it really means to love, like think if we taught our kids this. Yes, Jesus loves the little children, but hey, love without hypocrisy. Hate evil, cling to what is good. This is the depth and the core of how we're to love. Because in order to love in community, what we all have to bring to the table and what we all have to agree on is that love is bathed in purity. The love of Christ was pure. And it takes obedience in order to want to follow that out because the path of purity is never easy. There's always a million shortcuts that are always saying, hey, come here, do this, go that, go there. Because the devil knows that he can keep you from being blessed. He can keep you from experiencing relationship with him and relationship with others. And so this morning, as we take communion together, you can go ahead and and grab the elements. I want to lead us in this. Know that it comes from a heart that do this in remembrance of him. The way that he taught us to love, the way he broke his body for us. You can go ahead and stand once you've prepared your communion.
Seth, if you could come on up. Timmy, if you could put our communion prayer up, please. You know, I think it's amazing that this is the icon or this is the symbolism that Christ gave us to remember what it looks like to love. And when you really see the way he loved and how he broke his body for you and I, it humbles you so much when you understand the fullness of communion and what he calls us into. And I believe if we really understand and we get the revelation or maybe we've some of you including myself we just forget we get caught up in other things life is busy kids are crazy (laughs) and so it's good to remember what it's all about and this is why we do it in remembrance of me you know the early church they take communion every time that they gathered together because it it was to be on the forefront of their mind Again, you looked at the last prayer that Jesus prayed, that they would be one as you and I are one. If he was shouting unity with his life, how much more should we have unity here in this place, here in his church as the body of Christ? That's my heart for all of us because a unified church can tear the gates of hell down. It can tear principalities down. You can find healing and deliverance in your life. It happens in unity. As you go in again, as you read Acts 2, It said that there was over 5,000 men in one accord. That was just the men. You had all the kids and family, that they were all in one mind, one purpose, one accord. That's why you saw the church turn the world upside down because of how much unity was in their gathering. So my heart and my prayer is you're not even uniting behind a vision. You're uniting behind the body of Christ, behind the word of God, that this is what he gave us of how our life is to be defined, how we're to love one another. So if you take your your bread, and scripture it says in Luke 22, as he's at the Last Supper, he said, and he took the bread and gave thanks, and he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, He also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now we're just going to take a a moment and we're going to have some prayer leaders that are going to come forward. And if you are dealing with things in your life, you need prayer, you need someone to grab you by the hand and say, you're going to make it. Here's what God's word says and encourage you. We're going to have a moment where you can come and receive prayer. So if you bow your heads, I want to pray and bless this time together. Father, we thank you for your love, how it lights up every area in our life. God, I pray as we tune in with our insecurities, that your healing hand, your healing power would touch us, Father. God, that the pride in our lives, that we would replace it with selflessness, that selfishness, God, that we would 
put others, we would honor others above ourselves the way you've taught us to love. This is a radical call. But God, take us upon the journey to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Your presence would be evident in our life. God, that we would be bold, we would step out and share this love with one another. So God, as we open up the altar, that your Holy Spirit would touch and move and that healing would flow. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Shadow, you won't light up the 
listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.